welcome to the Squats and Science podcast hosted by USA National Team Head Coach Aaron Comesti and SNS Barbell Owner and Coach Joe Cristando. In this podcast, we go over various powerlifting topics in detail and use real-life examples to help you better understand key concepts. All right, everyone, welcome to today's episode. My name is Eric Camessi, and I'm here with Joe Cristando, a.k.a. Joey Cannoli. Coach Cannoli, what up? Coach Cannoli here. He's the uh, the in-person coach for Squats and Science, Williamsburg, and Bushwick. Yep. Um, so for today's topic, we're talking a little about warming up, the benefits of warming up, um, and the differences between warming up in the gym versus in a competition. Um, so we'll start off with the first thing, which will be where the benefits of warming up, why you should do it. So do you want to toss out one benefit that you can think of, Joey? For, for, for me personally, I place a large emphasis on it because I've been dealing with uh, injuries for the past four years. Um, and going into a session cold normally will just exacerbate any symptoms that I have. So I've been using the, uh, the Zordos warm-up, and then I've kind of modified that to tailor to my personal needs for, um, with my sciatic injury. And... Uh, Really, it, it's super helpful in just getting the session off right and um, not having any setbacks. So going a little bit more into detail for your injuries, um, are they all related to the SI joint issue or do you have other injuries that are muscular or uh, tissues, anything like that? The major one is the SI joint um, and then the sciatic symptoms that come from it. But I also, when I do large amounts of bench volume, I'll, my pecs will get super tight. And uh, usually I have to spend a little bit of extra time on the warm-up to get that to a decent place. So during squatting, it doesn't, it doesn't agitate. Uh, it, it will agitate my tendonitis. So I'm kind of preempting like anything that will come about from, uh, from that symptom. So, yeah, that would be one of the benefits then would be that science has shown it makes the muscles more pliable. Um, by warming up, you're getting more blood flow into the area and increasing your, your body's temperature, which then will make those muscles loosen up a little bit, especially for people who sit around at work all day. For example, you used to sit in the car and drive around all the time, so those muscles get tight. Or if you're working at the gym and you're constantly sitting down at a desk working, uh, muscles get tight. Um, and then if you try and go in the gym and go straight to a working set, then it might not turn out so good for you. So yeah, making sure you go through a movement, in your case, you're doing some dynamic movement, gets blood flow into the area, makes the muscles more pliable. They can go through a larger range of motion without risking the tear or some kind of injury like that. Yeah, it, it, the difference is crazy. If I go in cold and, and, uh, and my sciatic is flared up, I, sometimes I can't even like squat without like an impingement or like the movement will feel like uh, hindered. And then if I do the trunk rotation, so I do a little bit extra of those on the Zordos warm-up, spend a little bit more time, and then – by the end of it, I'm good to go. Like my range of motion is pretty much where it should be. Yep. So the other thing you touched upon was both the sciatica and the impingement. And anyone else has that issue, then they might need to look into their, their warm up. And it's a lot of it's connected to muscles and the tendons and that kind of stuff. Um, because if you do have a muscle that's tight, or if you sort of sit a certain way 
in the car, maybe like you turn a certain way your cubicle to look at your monitor, then certain muscles get tight and they pull on the joints. Yep. So now it's affecting those joints and possibly the limb lengths are different. For example, I know some lifters where one leg is longer than the other one because it's yep. one is sitting more in the hip socket than the other one. And then when they're out of position, that's when you get the impingement or the sciatic because it's possibly hitting on a nerve or maybe hitting on another bone. Um, and once you lock up when it hits other bone, then other joints are compromised. You might be rounding your back. People call it butt wink, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that sets off like a whole chain reaction. Yeah, so that's another good point. Uh, any other benefits that you see to doing a dynamic warm-up versus just like doing a static stretch? Um, the getting your heart rate up is, for me, is super beneficial. Um, kind of just wakes you up a little bit, gets your CNS moving, prepared to start moving weight um, without the shock of just putting weight on your on your back or on your in your hands. Um, but yeah, it, I find that to be super, super helpful. Yeah, so the, the heart rate is, is another benefit uh, that they've seen. Basically, it prepares your, your body uh, for that set. So when you do, for example, a heavy triple of squat and you're holding your breath for each rep, your blood pressure shoots up a lot using the Valsalva maneuver. So doing that warm-up and getting your heart rate already up helps with that transition into that versus just going from like your resting heart rate to doing a heavy set and all of a sudden your, your heart rate and your blood pressure shoot up. Uh, the other things I've found that helps with um, increasing your uh, oxygen intake. So you're already getting the body again prepared for that. Uh, already getting it prepared to do the heavy sets versus just going from sitting down at a desk and going straight to that. Right. Uh, uh, another thing you also mentioned is about the CNS would be both the physical weight that you're putting on your back and the movement pattern. So sure, there's benefits to just like sitting down, bending over, doing a hamstring stretch, whatever like that, which a lot of people do, and there's benefits to that. Uh, but doing a certain movement pattern, like for example, doing a squat or like a one-legged split squat or something like that, uh, gets the joints moving through that movement pattern that you're gonna do when you go into your competition squat. So you're already ingraining that pattern that you want, whether it's keeping the knees out, keeping the chest up, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I actually, when I'm, when I'm warming up for squats, I'll do, um, I'll do a few sets of just tempo body weight squats just to feel out the motor pattern, make sure that I'm moving correctly. Um, and, and it just kind of sets you straight for the rest of the session. Um, gives you like a baseline of where you should be moving. And then it, it, it transfers pretty well once you get weight on the, on your back. Um, if you're diligent about it, you can, you can maintain it pretty easily. Yeah, so I, I do like when for some of my lifters that I program for, uh, I'll put tempo squats in there purposely before the competition squat. Some yeah. people do it as a separate assistance exercise day or maybe as a secondary exercise, but I'll put two or three sets of tempo squats in there with like 30, 40% and tell them they don't even have to put their belt on or anything for that, just to ingrain that movement pattern and go through the full range of motion before they get to the competition squat. And then when they get to the competition squat with what working sets they're doing, then they're already good, good to go. Yeah. I find most lifters respond real well to that too, especially if they have, if you have a lifter that has a problem with um, maintaining positioning in the squat, especially that the, that warming up with tempos uh, helps a whole bunch. And um, like if, if they're diligent about it, 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 it carries over like greatly to the comp squat. 
Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I see a lot of people do it the opposite way. And the opposite way is like if they're doing, let's say, 10 reps at 135 on squats of warm up, they'll kind of just go up and down really fast, bounce up and down, blend all the reps. Same thing like if you're doing a bench press, lay, lay down, put 135 on, and bench press just like kind of quick touch and go. Um, and yeah, that gets kind of the getting you through a movement and it kind of gets the heart rate up and the blow form, but it takes out that part of ingraining that motor pattern that we want and staying in the position that we want for the working sets because you're just blending your reps and rushing through the warm-up. Yeah, so being a bit more diligent um, with the warm-ups will actually help in the long run with the uh, working sets. Absolutely. And then when you, when you coach people there for the classes, do you do a full body warm-up regardless of what workouts they're doing there that session? Yeah, so everybody starts with the, the Zordos warm-up, which you can find on YouTube. Um, it's just a series of dynamic movements. And each, each lifter kind of has their own individual warm-up once they get to the comp, whatever the competition lift is. Um, I kind of guide them a little bit, but allow them the freedom to do it how they want. But I, I tend to try and get them all to do some tempo movement before they start actually squatting or benching. Yeah, so anyone who wants to look up on YouTube can look up uh, Dr. Sordo's warm-up, and you'll see a video of him from whatever, eight years ago, ten years ago, doing it, going through it. But the basics are it warms up various joints from the shoulders, the uh, hips, trunctions. Uh, yeah, the, the knees, and then yeah, similar with the muscles, getting the uh, the shoulders, the pecs, the lower back, hip flexors, uh, hamstrings, that kind of stuff like that. Moving through a range of motion, getting them uh, warmed up and ready to go. So it's a full body warm up, which is what I like to do for myself, and I tell my lifters because a lot of people like to only warm up lower body for like squat and deadlift and only warm up upper body for bench press. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's some downsides to that. A couple of them would be that the movements themselves, we'll, we'll use the full body. For example, on a low bar squat, you do still need the flexibility in the shoulders, yep. um, elbows and wrists to do the low bar squat. But if you're only doing a, a lower body warm up, then you're not hitting that. Um, the other thing would also be, um, I'm looking more towards the next workouts. So just doing a warm up for the upper body and loosening up the muscles will help with soreness and that kind of stuff to help with recovery for your upper body workout that might be coming up in 24 or 48 hours. Yeah, absolutely. I've also, like I said, that I found that warm up to be super beneficial for my sciatic problem. So if you have a lifter that's dealing with injuries, um, it, it, it is very helpful to do every session. Um, and then if they have other stuff that they need to add to deal with those injuries, you just I just allow them to to tack it on at the end and modify it how they need. Um, but for most lifters, uh, that warm up is pretty much all you really need. So, do you do any specific static stretching for your sciatic or SI joint issues? Yeah. So, I actually on the trunk rotation on the Zordos warm up, I will do like a tempo. Uh, concentric so I'll bring my foot to my hand and then just pull it back slowly um, and then in that same range I'll also do a internal hip rotation so instead of swinging my foot up I'll just rotate my toe down towards the ground um, and those those three movements have like they've saved my life as a lifter okay. if I it's it, seriously it's it's insane how, how like the difference that they've made there would be days where like I'd come in and I couldn't even like bend over. And if I just went through those and spent a little bit of extra time on them, uh, I was good to go. I could lift no problem. Um, as long as you don't have like a disc injury or anything, like I, I, I highly recommend it. Just spending a little extra time 
doing those. Okay. And, and then going on into the actual specific lifts, let's say we're doing a competition squat that day for sets of five. How do you have the lifters of the gym warm up starting with like the empty bar to get to that working set? Yeah, so we usually do body weight, empty bar for like a set of eight. Um, depending on who the lifter is, like everyone kind of has their jumps that they do every day. They know where they are. Um, the, the biggest problem I've had with a lot of beginner lifters is and they'll, they'll do a ton of jumps to get to their working weight. They'll just make like two and a half kilo increments or like five, five kilo increments and do like five reps, five reps, five reps. I think because it comes from the confidence of not knowing where their strength is or, or just, you know, not being comfortable as a lifter. And I, I with a, a bunch of lifters, I've had to kind of just coach them through like dialing it back a little bit and just taking what's necessary to get to their working weight for the day. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get talk more about it later on, but usually in competition, people will do about like four to six warm up sets to yeah. get to their opening attempt. Uh, so in the gym, you might be doing more volume and you might need more of a warm up, but also you're typically working up to a lower percentage. So you don't need more necessarily warm up. So it's pretty much the same for the gym would be about four to six warm-ups depending on how heavy a weight you're going to and how much warm how many warm-ups you need some people need to repeat a set uh, there's really all you need but yeah you'll see the people that will do eight warm-ups ten warm-ups um and gas themselves out before they even get to it and yeah. especially if you're already doing a dynamic warm-up or if you're already doing foam rolling and you're already doing some body weight squats that all counts towards what you're doing with the uh the sets when you get to the, the bar because usually the first couple sets of the bar even are pretty much the same thing. It's like right. getting, getting the heart rate up, uh, making the muscles more pliable. And then the later sets getting to the working set are basically like ingraining that movement pattern and getting the nervous system prepared. So if you're already doing the dynamic warm up and you're already doing body weight squats and you're already doing various movement patterns, whether it's like barbell good mornings or whatever like that to work on your hip hinge. Well, then you don't need to do as much when you get to an empty bar or 40% or 50%, whatever you're using for your warm-ups. Yeah, I, try, I, I treat the warm-ups in the gym similar to meet day, where four to six, depending on the lifter. And me personally, the same, same thing. And then if you, when you start, you said like you do the empty bar for eight. As you're going through your next warm-ups, are the reps going down? Yep, so it usually goes like eight, five, three, and then like a single or two to get where I need to be. Or to get the lifter to be where they're at, unless unless the lifter tells me they have like a like they they feel that they need a little bit more to get there, um, I'll allow them a few more reps. But for the most part, I try and dial it back. Um, yeah, Coach Cannoli will allow them to do more. <laughs> well, dude, I've had people like come and be like, they'll do like five sets of ten, like working up, and I'm just you know, it's like. You, they they tell they'll try and convince you that like oh I have to do this to like be able to do my working weight but you kind of just have to rein them in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so I take a, a similar approach to you and yeah, there's basically like two approaches to it. Um, one approach would be the way we do it, which is the reps start off higher and then go down as you're getting close to your working set, and that's regardless of how many reps are in the working set. So if the working sets are let's say sets of five you might still only do singles for the last one or two warm-ups. And the second method would be you basically go off whatever the working sets are. So if the working sets are fives, 
then you do sets of fives for your warm-ups going all the way back as well. And obviously there's uh, advantages and disadvantages to each one. The way I like the way we do it is that, yeah, you're conserving your energy and you're just focusing on that technique for those last couple of sets and getting comfortable with the weight and then getting to working sets. Um, so one of the benefits I've seen with the other way, which I do sometimes depending on the person, especially if you're doing like auto regulation, if you're doing like RPE or velocity based training, and let's say you're doing a movement that or a rep range you've never done before. Yeah. So let's say you're doing like a spoto press for five reps out of eight and you've never done spoto press before. Well, if you do singles going up, it's going to be very hard to guess what that by five out of eight is. But if you do like five, uh, five reps out of six and then five reps out of seven, then you're going to be able to predict that five reps out of eight much more easily. So that first session or two where you're doing that protocol, it might be spending more volume on the working on the warmups and maybe you're wasting a little bit of energy for the working sets to figure out where you are in that movement. And then once you figure it out that base of where you are, then you can go to a more of our method where you're saving energy just doing singles and then hitting that working set. Yeah. Um, I, I find that also when you have lifters that are using auto-regulation, that when they're warming up, they'll tend to do more reps. But what I, what I guide them towards is like doing the singles and then getting towards where they think they are for the day and doing like a tester set. So somewhere close to where you know, you, you usually have a pretty good idea based on the last few training sessions where you're going to be. Um, and then just do a tester set and then see how that goes. And then you just regulate from there, you know. That, I mean, that's the point of auto-regulation. But I think a lot of lifters have a hard time with, like, getting to that point, And they'll just do all the working, you know, do the same reps of the working set for their warm-ups all the way up when you don't really need to. So as an example, just throwing numbers out there, you might warm up to let's say 315 for a single and then you do a tester set let's say 345 for a triple and yep. then based off on that figure out like your top set for that day is like 365 for a triple exactly okay. and and i use that personally too and, and if i find it works real well especially with velocity and and rp both both it, it works real well yeah I, I pretty much do percentage training for all my lifters because that's what they feel most comfortable with there's a couple that do rp but I'll do percentage training and yeah, basically it's very similar to you. I'll usually do like the bar for, have them do the bar for 10 reps, kind of just to warm them up and get them moving. And then from there, yeah, it's like the next set is five, the next set's two or three, and then singles for the next one and then right into the working sets. Yeah. Do you feel that you need to do a different amount of reps, whether it's squat bench or deadlift, or do you do the same across? Um. So me personally, I do a little bit more in squatting because it takes me a, a minute to get warmed up usually. Bench, I do very, <laughs> very little to warm up. <laughs> and uh, same thing with deadlift. I, I, I tend to make a lot bigger jumps when I'm warming up for deadlift. And also for my lifters, I've coached a lot of them to, to, to make bigger jumps and be comfortable, you know, know be confident in what, what their strength is, um, you know, obviously depending on the lifter. But yeah, so I think squat requires a little bit more warming up than the other two. Okay. I, I for myself, for my lifters, I pretty much do more on squat and bench and less on deadlift. And I guess a couple of reasons to it. One would be usually a training session will start with the squat or bench because you're either yeah. doing like squat and deadlift or maybe you're doing bench and deadlift um, or maybe you're doing squat and bench. Uh, but usually squat or bench is first. So that's the first movement. I want to make sure they're warmed up enough, everything like that. So they do more on those. 
And then if you're doing deadlifts after squat, you're already warmed up. You're just kind of getting the movement pattern down for deadlift. Yeah. Um, there are some lifters, and even for myself, where I've done deadlift on a separate day. And even then, I don't like to do high reps on deadlifts. Like, I can't remember the last time I did, like, 10 reps on deadlift as a warm-up. Yeah. What I like to do instead, especially if you're a sumo lifter, is just grab the empty bar and warm up some squats. So I'll, I'll do, like, some warm-ups of just with the bar on squats with, like, a medium stance and then a wider stance and then, like, a sumo stance to kind of warm up those same muscles that I'm going to do in the deadlift. The benefit being that you get the eccentric phase to kind of, like, stretch out the muscles right. and you can go through a bigger range of motion than the deadlift itself is going to be. So then you go straight to the deadlift. I'll go to 135, and from there, it's usually five reps or rep less. Yeah. So actually for the deadlift I've been using for myself, and then I've got a lot of lifters doing it, is uh, on the warm-up for like the first two sets, so, you know, whatever, red plate and then two red plates, um, maybe doing like five or six reps of just bracing and then like floating the bar, so like getting enough tension and getting the pop off the floor but not actually pulling the whole rep and just float it to mid-shin. Um, and for me personally, I find that like huge in – just getting the motor pattern down for the day, um, getting comfortable with bracing and the carryover to the working sets is, is pretty, pretty big. And I've also like with the lifters that I've had start doing that have experienced the same thing. Um, I've been kind of like messing with it for the past like month or two, but I, I like it, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I'm not sure if he puts in his warmups, but I know one of the exercises Borishiko does is deadlift and ease. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically like working on positioning and tightness from the ground up, but not necessarily wasting your energy doing the full movement and locking out. And you've actually, I've actually seen that go to other countries. Uh, it might be associated with people like coached by Dittmar Wolf, who used to be with Norway and now is with Germany. And I've also seen some Swedish people do it. Like I believe I've seen Eddie Berglund warm up where he'll do, let's say he's doing a triple for his first deadlift warm up. He'll do two reps words to the knees and back down. And then one rep words, the full range of motion. Yeah. And basically he's warming up that bottom position, getting the tightness and the bracing down for the bottom position and saving his energy um, for the lockout. He'll just do maybe just one rep just to complete the whole movement. Yeah. And then from a coaching standpoint, I find that most lifters, their biggest technical fault with the deadlift is the starting position. So just having them kind of drill it for the day will ingrain it and then once they get to working weight it, it it'll be a little bit better than what it normally is yeah so that, that's interesting that's uh something that i've seen internationally but you don't see it too much in the states i think of people warming up that way or even just doing the movement deadlift and ease you don't see it too much here i think um i've seen uh wilson david wilson uh-huh i've seen him do that before and just, talk about, and talk about it he just won the uh 93s there you go perfect example <laughs> <laughs> i don't follow his training too much so i haven't seen any videos of him doing it yeah he, he actually has a real good video on like hip anchoring and and the start position and in that video i think he talks about i'm pretty sure he talks about just as a warm-up doing that um but yeah i i love it i think it's awesome and for me personally it's it's been super beneficial that's cool uh, so then now we'll switch to what I mentioned a little bit briefly at the beginning is how the warmups might be different for in a competition. So I already mentioned slightly like what I believe and what I think most people do, which is usually four to six warmups. Yeah. So is that similar to what you did for all the lifters that could just compete at Raw Nationals? Yeah. So everyone at Nationals had 
depending on the lifter, obviously, um, like four to six tops. And after, after uh, the bar and maybe one plate, it's just a triple and then singles to working. Uh, yeah. until, you know, until first attempt. Yeah, so that, that's, that's pretty much what I did. If someone had um, a lower max on like squat or bench, then they, they might do the empty bar for like eight reps, would be like the highest reps they did. But if someone had a higher max, like 225 and up, and they always did 10 reps with the empty bar. And part of that that I do, like kind of just give that protocol to everyone, is that I'm not always sure how the person normally warms up. Right. Because uh, since I, I do my online coaching, I'm not always there for my lifters. So I don't always see what they do for them. So I just give a general guideline to everyone, and they can kind of follow it however they want and add on to it. And the other thing is sometimes you go to competition, and you don't have access to the space or the equipment to warm up the way you normally do in the gym. So people want to do like maybe some band stretches, but there's nowhere to tie a band to to do it. Some people might want a foam roll, but they didn't bring their foam roll with her because it doesn't fit in their bag. So you run into a lot of that stuff when you have to travel for competitions, whether it's nationals or world. So I always throw that bar for 10 reps or eight reps if their max is lower um, as the first one. And then, yeah, from there, it's depending on where their max is, uh, four more warm-ups or three more warm-ups if it's bench press or something like that. Yeah, and then deadlift. By the time we get to deadlift, there, our lifters barely do. You know, maybe a couple singles because you're 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 pretty much warmed up and good to go. Just working on motor pattern and and start position. Yeah. So the the guideline I use for when it comes to deadlift, uh, and maybe something people need to look into more is adjusting the warm up based on how long time there is between squat and deadlift, and part of that is based on how many flights there are. Yeah. So people that just competed at Raw Nationals, some competed where it was only two flights, some competed that there was three flights, and even on Sunday there was two platforms that ran four flights. So the amount of rest time you're getting is different. So if it's only two flights, it's going to go very fast. Right. So by the time you finish your third squat, you might have 10 minutes to go eat, drink, go to the bathroom, take your knee sleeves off, and then you have to start warming up bench press. And the same thing happens after you do your third bench press. You might have 10 to 15 minutes Again, eat, drink, put your Dell of socks on, your Dell of shoes on, and you got to start warming up Dell. So it's very fast that way. And like you said, we're already warmed up from squats. Um, heart rate's already up. Adrenaline's already up. All that kind of stuff like that. So I like to keep for Dell when we get to that point, three reps and lower. Yeah. So it's basically just honing in that technique. Um, and one thing I really like doing is only four warm-up sets with three reps or less on Dell. So what would happen is three, two, one, one. Yeah. So that gets you seven reps of warm-up, and then you do three attempts on the platform. That gets you 10 total reps of deadlift for the day. Yeah. A lot of people like to keep it 10 reps or lower because if you start doing more deadlifts than that, then you're gashing yourself out at that point. So that's yeah. one way I really like doing it for two flights. When it gets to three or four, then, then basically at least for an entire flight, you're resting, which could be 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 45 minutes that you're resting. And so depending on the person and the temperature of the venue and all that kind of stuff like that, you might be getting cold again. So you kind of have to start back up. So then, then you might do again, you might do like your Dr. Zordos warm up again. You might do your foam rolling again. Uh, you might do the, the squats. Like I said, I like to do the, the widening the stance and warming up the, the hips for sumo deadlift. You might do that again. And then I like to do like the first one for five reps. And then from there, just do the three, two, one, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's a, uh, important consideration, especially at a meet. 
some of those platforms and nationals were like the, some of the flight, the later flights we were taking forever. And you had people sitting around for a while. So like, even like Dave was sitting around for a while and he, he did a whole warm up again before he started warming up for deadlifts. Yeah. yeah. Some, some people are sitting down in a chair or sitting down on a the floor there. They're getting tight again. Um, if you came from somewhere like Miami, like me, where it was like 80, 85 degrees, and then you go up there and it's like 56 degrees, then the temperature change affects you too. The yeah. humidity changes you too. So you might have to basically, yeah, re-warm up and make sure that you're you're ready to go when it comes to deadlift. Um, but on the flip side, in the prime time, there was two flights, I think pretty much for every single prime time session. If you go to world championships, it's pretty much two flights. And so it moves quick and people aren't used to that. And they're not used to doing so little warmth when it comes to Della. But I always have to remind them, like, hey, you're going to have no time in the break. You go to the bathroom, you put your Della socks on, we have to find your bar, and we have to start warming up, and you got to go. And so you want to conserve as much energy as possible at that point. Yeah. Um, you, and on the, you get some people that go uh, very extreme with that, too. Like, if anyone's seen Jennifer Thompson uh, warm up for Della, I think she, I think to this day, she still only does two warm-ups for Della. She'll wow. do She'll do like one plate and then two plates, which for, for people that don't know kilograms is 165 pounds and 275 pounds. And then she'll go out there and she'll open up with whatever, 352 or something like that. That's so insane. yeah, she's already warmed up. She's not ready to go and everything like that. She just does two warmups on deadlift, get the technique down. And basically her third warmup is on the platform, which is her opener. That's why she always takes the huge jump. So she'll do 352 on the platform for a single which is basically a warm-up for her. And then from there, she jumps up to above 400 or whatever she has to do. Yeah. I mean, your first attempt should basically still be kind of a warm-up, I, I think, anyway. Yeah. And, and maybe we'll do a uh, podcast on that later on, going over attempt selection and the percentages. But yeah, a lot of people are around like 88 to 92%, somewhere around there for the opener. But hers, I mean, I guess if you go calculate it, it might be more like 80% or 82%. And then from there, she just jumps straight to like 92% or something like that. So she'd do like a 10% jump where everyone else will do like a 5% jump. So she's conserving even more energy than uh, what most people do by doing her last warm-up on the platform. Yeah, I mean, if you're comfortable with that, it's probably a, probably not a bad move. Yeah, I'm, I mean, she's been doing it for however long. If you go look at the results, she always jumps like 160 kilos to 190 kilos or 165 to 200 kilos. And right. she always does that jump to save her energy and just do two two big pulls, right. especially at the speed like a world championship is uh, that a lot of people aren't ready for. Sometimes it's two small fights like we've had it before um, for for when it was last year in Belarus for the 83 juniors. We had John Gruden and Sean Noriega, and there was only 15 of them. So for for the max for a flight is 14, and then you have to split it into two flights. So we were just short of making it one flight. So they had a flight of seven lifters and a flight of eight lifters. Oh my god! So with good spotters, that's going to take six to eight minutes between attempts. Yeah. And and basically, you have twenty five minutes to warm up the next uh, discipline. So they were not ready for the speed of that that meet. That's like a sprint. That's wild. Yeah. The first S uh, first S and S meet I did here was like that. That was the fastest. That was the fastest meet I'd ever done. Yeah, I think that was that was the first one that we ran. Period. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, it was the second second oh. one you did. It was not not this past March, but the March before. Okay. In the 120, 120 plus, and the one hundred five, there was like ten of us, or like nine. I think, yeah, ten. I think I think both of those, the first one and the second one that we did, I think it turned out that same way. Where the schedule we used, it just turned out where you had that last day, last session 
of the 105, 120, 120 plus, there aren't just there weren't that many of you guys. And so yeah, it was like 10 lifters. You get like eight or nine minutes break between attempts, and then you get a 20 minute break between disciplines, and you have to just go right back to it, and you're done in about two and a half hours. Yeah, I had never done that before, and I remember being <laughs> like, "This is insane." <laughs> It's interesting, though, because if you compare it to other sports, I mean, uh, a lot of, like, football games only take three hours. Right. And some basketball games might be about three hours, too, with commercials and all that break. But in powerlifting, we're trying to get, like, four hours, four and a half hours, anything less than that. That's too fast for us. <laughs> Sprint. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got anything else? No, I mean, that, that's pretty much it went over just generic warm-up anyone else again you want to go to youtube look up dr zordos warm-up you can see him do the warm-up uh, if you look up me too i think my youtube is under arian dbz if you look up that i have like the zordos warm-up in there or some modified ones in there of me doing some of the stuff with like a pvc pipe instead like you can do some of the shoulder warms with a pvc pipe or a dowel or a band um yeah and- i was I was thinking about filming the modification I do for the sciatic um, sciatic symptoms. So maybe I'll try and film that this week. Yeah, we'll maybe post that up uh, on the Squats and Science Facebook or something like that. People can look at that. Um, and then, yeah, we went over warming up for the competition lifts. I like to do more on squat and bench. Uh, you like to do the most on squat and then less on bench and deadlift. And the thing we want everyone to try and focus on, maybe analyze your warm-up is, are you doing too much? A lot of people do too much, doing too many sets, too many reps. Do you really need that much? Um, and the way to look at it is, what are the goals? So the goal we went over is we want to increase the body temperature, the uh, heart rate. We want to get blood flow into the muscles and make them more pliable. So do you really need to do that much once you get to the heavier weights? Or can you just do singles or doubles at that point just to get the, the nervous system ready to go? Yeah. And then the other thing is competition is, especially these days with social media and everything being online, is you can be more prepared for a competition than 10 years ago or 15 years ago. A lot of times the flights are out early. You know how many lifters are in your flight. You know how many flights are in your session. Um, depending on the federation, you know what kind of break they're taking between disciplines. And you can prepare your warm-up based on that, which is what I did for nationals. Anyone who's in two flights, I dropped the Della warm-ups down. Anyone who is in three or four flights, I bumped the Della warm-ups uh, up on the game plans we're ready for it based on what we're seeing as far as the uh how long rest there's going to be especially between the squat and deadlift but even between bench and deadlift is important right and then also for for nationals and for any any meet in general um if you're a lifter uncoached or even if you have a coach make sure you have all your warm-up attempts planned out in advance have it all written down and it'll save you a lot of stress and time day of trying to scramble and figure out what you need to do the the, the most variables you can eliminate and eliminate the better off you're going to be <laughs> yeah pretty much the the stuff that goes for warming up of planning and analyzing your warm-up and making it efficient same thing goes whether it's attempts or programming or anything else like that so we'll talk about those topics in uh, future episodes yeah so if you liked what you were listening to uh, give it a like and share it with other people uh, anyone else you think that needs help with their warming up, um, especially anyone who just competed at nationals and feels like maybe they were wasting too much energy or they weren't prepared for the speed or like that. Maybe some information here will help them. Uh, if you have any ideas of what you want us to go over in future episodes, let us know. 
we'll try and go over some more things regarding competition as far as attempt selection, strategy, that kind of stuff like that. Uh, and then we'll try and also get people interviewed on here for future episodes. So look for that coming up. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right. This is uh, Arian and Joey Cannoli from Squats <laughs> and Science Coaching saying peace out. Later. <laughs>